Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License Flight Number 49 with service to Orange County. We ask that you please fasten your headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember, a new feature on this TV Pilot's License Flight is that we are actually in a gated community. So, (laughs) in case of an unexpected crash, allow that additional levels of security to comfort you on the way down. Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Rich Inman and Max Singer. How are you boys doing today? I just want to say, all of you guys are so lucky you're not in range of me throwing wine. (laughs) You you can't phase me, Rich. I'm going to take these mysterious pills I just found. I think they're called (laughs) (laughs) icebreakers. Well, boys, this week we are diving into the real housewives of Orange County. For folks who are joining us for the first time because we're finally doing Real Housewives, or folks who maybe just have found us thanks to the random search engine uh, algorithm that brought you here. Max, do you mind telling folks what this is all about? This is what finally got you here? Fine. All right, here at TV Pilot's License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of TV's most famous, or in some cases, infamous shows. We learn about how these productions came to be, if they're effective pilots and making us want to watch more, and if they can be made today. Go back and find our older episodes wherever you get podcasts from. Check us out on YouTube to see our smiling faces. And if it is your first time flying with us for Real Housewives, then welcome aboard. And I want to say everyone really tuned in for the John from Cincinnati episode and stayed. So I, you know, we don't, we don't have to do this anymore. We saw a massive John from Cincinnati bump. Yeah, we did real housewives of Cincinnati. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) That's where that Uh, show took place, right? Cincinnati. Yeah. 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 You paid attention. Uh, Well, Max, thank you. Rich, what is your question of the week this week? Well, I think, if there's one calling card for the housewives uh, and you know, we don't really get it in this particular episode, but uh, as you get the concept of a tagline for all the people who are going to be featured on the show. And I would love for you guys to tell me what your tagline for, if you were a housewife would be, I think it might be something like, I don't BS, but I do have IBS. <laughs> <laughs> gang gang. Uh, Gang, gang. Ice cream so good. <laughs> Ice cream so good. Is that what you just said? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, God. Um, well, I went a little bit of a different route, Rich. Uh, I might be a dog dad, but you can still call me daddy. Wow. Uh, is... <laughs> you were not kidding. All of your ideas were very horny. Uh, oh, I, I bow, did say bow, that... wow. <laughs> there are four more uh, that we will maybe talk about later. <laughs> All right. Rich, Mine what is, about you? They say uh, I'm one in a million people living with this rare foot disorder. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so dumb. <laughs> I wish I could have. I wish I could have stood up and done a turn. Oh, well, so you're you're the housewife to Dr. Scholl. OK, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a kept woman. Well, Rich, thank you so much for that question of the week. Uh, And I would say, if you're listening to this, why don't you, down in the comments, put what your tagline would be, uh, and maybe we'll share the best one in our next episode on Instagram. So, before we dive into The Real Housewives of Orange County, 
A quick synopsis. A look at five families living in a protected Southern California enclave and the real-life housewives who reside in one of the wealthiest planned communities in the country. I'm just going to say it. It's really gross that they say that they're in a protected Southern California enclave in the description (laughs) of the show. But Max, can you tell us a little bit more about how this show got made? Today, we are talking about the premiere pilot episode of The Real Housewives of Orange County titled Meet the Wives. Yep, it had a title, and it premiered on March 21st, 2006. So, background context, in 2005, Bravo announces plans for six new reality series to capitalize the success of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. One of these shows, at the time titled Behind the Gates, was promoted as a real-life look into the homes and lifestyles of women similar to the characters on various successful primetime soaps, combined with some of the aesthetics of the 1970s PBS reality series An American Family, which is often considered to be the first reality show on television. Mm. Uh, So the show itself was created by Scott Dunlap, who's had a lot of different roles in Hollywood over the years. And after moving to Orange County from Los Angeles and settling into the neighborhood of Coder de Casa, Scott got to know his neighbors and was fascinated by these interesting people he would be at parties. Uh, For a little bit of context, Coda de Casa is actually a community of 15,000 people and is one of the largest gated communities in America. One, 15,000 people in a gated community is insane. Two, the fact that it's not even the largest one of these planned gated communities in America is even crazier to me. So Dunlop focuses on some of his neighbors he's gotten to know the Keo family with their former model playboy playmate wife and their baseball playing husband, as well as someone newer in the neighborhood by the name of Kimberly Bryant. This sizzle reel they filmed was enough to get a pilot ordered by Bravo when it came across the desk of the network's brand new vice president of original programming, a young man named Andy Cohen. To quote Cohen, <laughs> yes, our king. I watched and I couldn't believe how sexy and Californian everybody seemed, how big their boobs were, the way they spoke to their kids. I'm not sure we totally knew what it was, but I knew if it worked, it would be a soap opera. Now, Max, can you try to do that again as Andy Cohen? I know I'm asking you on the spot. We really pushed it with the Iron Chef voice. Let's not make Max be a gay Jewish man. So now that they have this sizzle reel they want a green light, Dunlop and Bravo actually took out ads in local newspapers throughout Orange County to try to attract potential cast members. One person who responded to a local newspaper classified was Michael Gunvalson, Vicky's son, the college student home from break that we see in today's episode. Holy shit. Through Vicky, they find Lori, and then Joe was found from her then-boyfriend at the time, Slade Smiley, responding to the ad. Uh, Dunlap and other producers are on the record as saying Slade just wanted his 15 minutes of fame wherever he could get it. Well, he was also a child actor, if I remember correctly. I think that's, that was his backstory. So he was like the he was like the, like the recognizable face, I think. He also was like a... a tasteful nude male model that they show him doing some mm-hmm. posing for. Uh, so NBC Universal Executive Vice President Lauren Zalzadek uh, is created with creating the show's title as Real Housewives of Open Them Up to Unlimited Spinoff Possibilities, 
ironically enough, a choice that Andy Cohen so strongly opposed, thinking that it sounded awkward. Now, to get this pilot made, they dealt with constant protests from the Coda de Casa Homeowners Association and equipment that was limited to a camcorder and four karaoke boxes. If you think this looks like the shittiest home movie you've ever watched before, guess what? It does. It's filmed the exact same way as your dad taking you to the beach at the 90s. <laughs> so they filmed And just as footage. dramatic. And actually, this is an example of what we see is not part of the original pilot footage. Bravo scrapped everything they shot at first and were prepared to just shelve the show entirely. They wow. said that it was awkward. Confessionals weren't working. They couldn't get people to bite into creating actual situations that he wanted to follow. So Mm -hmm. they brought in hired guns. Bravo pumps an additional $140,000 into the production and hires longtime soap opera showrunner David Ruppel to overhaul the entire project and help create these narrative storylines and plot moments that become, you know, the bread and butter of Real Housewives. And so uh, are we ready to take a look behind the gates? If we have to. You guys, you guys ready to jump into Real Housewives? Yeah, it's so funny to me that a gated community is like it's fifteen thousand people. It's not safe. That's not, that's not the, the gates are useless at fifteen thousand people. But also, yeah, it's no. so funny that like no one can get in, but like a Bravo film crew can. <laughs> like every single day, they're filming every film filming in this neighborhood. It's so funny to me. There, there's Holy two shit. rival HOA meetings, one to oppose the filming and one to see who has a camcorder they could borrow. <laughs> <laughs> we start. Hey, passengers, this is Captain Jeff. When I'm not watching TV shows or terrible TV pilots, you'll find me on Spotify listening to new and exciting artists. One album that I've been recently streaming is this week's sponsor, James Keith Norman and Beck Norman's album, Us Upon Sleep. If you are looking for something calm and relaxing that is great for meditation or even a walk, I would highly recommend it. So after the episode, make sure to search Us Upon Sleep on Spotify or any of your favorite streaming services. Now, back to the episode. Off This pilot with exterior shots of Orange County and luxury. (laughs) But then we get this just disembodied voice saying... Life is different here in a gated community. Um, Now, Rich and Max, I don't know how often you've watched The Real Housewives in any form of the universe, but what were your first thoughts uh, when you (laughs) heard this uh, and saw the lifestyles of almost, it felt like the lifestyles of the rich and famous, but instead it's in Orange County. Um, what did you guys think? I I was furious, but not for the reason that you might suspect. I was so angry because they talk about this community, Coda de Casa, and they say the average home price is one point eight to two point two million. Which <laughs> li- and, and like the houses are the houses are fine, and I live in a neighborhood in LA where like one point eight million might get me like a burned out shack. Like the the house would literally be on fire and some realtor would be like, it's a hot property. Like the the fact that <laughs> like one one point eight in LA does not get you what one point eight got you in two thousand six and it makes me so, so, so sad. 
did you did you happen to Zillow any of the houses in this particular neighborhood? Is that why? I I didn't Zillow the neighborhood, but I did look up where Coto de Casa is, and it's way more inland Orange County than I thought this was gonna be. <laughs> like I was expecting. Oh, it's not welcome to the OC, bitch. No, no, no. It's 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 not that. It's not you know MTV's uh, kind of of this time Laguna Beach. Either. Like this is inland orange county when they talk about going to the beach i'm like and you spent all day in traffic are you kidding me like (laughs) (laughs) i love that yeah i the the little note at the bottom of nine million people in the united states live in uh in gated communities was so insanely funny to me i i just like it is so not interesting of a fact it just means that there's like nine million people who got suckered into to buying expensive property where all your houses have to look the same and then uh yeah i I mean that that was just my first takeaway from it and max don't worry about the housing prices because in just a year after this episode airs all of them will be worth only seven hundred fifty (laughs) thousand. Oh my god (laughs) i i do i do think that when you're not behind the gates you don't know what you're missing maybe the bitchiest line of exposition we've ever had on the show (laughs) also i love a double negative (laughs) <laughs> but did you guys watch mid-aughts TLC? Yeah, I, Max, I'm so glad you brought this up because this is the first thing that I thought of. Like, This feels like the same crew that filmed uh, My 500-Pound Life or one of those I, TV shows. I was getting uh, like the same camera look and like artistic style as Trading Spaces. And if you ever watched yeah. Four Weddings where they would make four women like compete and vote and rag each other's weddings. It was very nasty. I love it. Um, but it, it's that same look, that same filming, that same lighting, even when they first show the families and it's like the women are kind of in the front, but the family's just kind of like posing and dancing and being like, silly behind them. It, it reminds me of a mid 2000s TLC show and it's bonkers just looking at like where they're at now like 18 years into this franchise as a whole and how sleek it is and like how big the homes are and right now it's just it's it's so quaint it's so family home video i i I don't know it wasn't what i was expecting yeah and like as we begin before we get to this point like the only thing that's taken us out of like hey you the poor people who are watching this show like, mm-hmm. you don't have $1.8 million or whatever it is to afford a home. Like, other than that, it does feel, Max, as you said, down to earth. But this show does give us something that I want every single show to do. And that is, it gives us the characters' names right at the top before we've met <laughs> anyone. Before we've met anyone, we meet all of the women that we are going to be giving a shit about. Yeah, and this I is think giving, that is the. This is giving me white blonde woman that's forty two years old facial blindness. Like I really, I probably could go the entire episode without being able to pick any of them out of a lineup. <laughs> um, it the thing that it does remind me is there are certain TV shows now that almost dramatize the concept of the lives of the rich and famous, and this is that like real life version of um real life being in gigantic air quotes uh because you know everyone's dad is a 
pitcher who uh, fell out of the MLB and, you know, or or the fucking man, Don. We're going to talk about Don because Don's the fucking man and I can't wait to talk about him. I feel like we got more baseball in this in this pilot episode than we did. in. I'm like, I was so shocked at how much baseball was involved in this. We got more baseball and we got more basketball than we did in our March Madness special. I like so. how I like how Rich has a uh, 42-year-old blonde white woman blindness and Jeff has fucking mad blindness because I can't <laughs> tell them apart. They're all the fucking mad guys. <laughs> <laughs> so in this episode, there are five different women that we really focus on and we learn about. Um, and rather than trying to take with the show pace of going back and forth and back and forth, because I absolutely appreciate cutting between each of these women, because otherwise, if you just told uh, Vicky's story, you'd sort of be like, ah, okay, Vicky doesn't have too much going on. Uh, oh, shit, let's talk about Lori. Lori doesn't have shit going on either. Uh, <laughs> but we have to intersplice this drama with, like, the Joes. And all of that stuff. What do you guys think about just speaking about each of these women and sort of your impressions based off of their life and the stories that we may find out about if we were to continue uh, watching this? So the first person that we we meet is, was it Gina, Gianna, Gina, 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 Gina. Sure. That Um, that looks right. (laughs) So Gina, uh, she works in real estate. She's a former Playboy playmate and actress. I did find out that she was the video girl for all three of ZZ Top's biggest songs, yeah, uh, which is the the greatest fun fact we're going to get into. Um, Truly. Yeah, they, they say that she's a model, but like it, she's the girl for like the video for like legs. Like you lead with that. You got to draw in an audience. You got to get the best. She's the legs. <laughs> uh, but then she follows up this amazing information with one of the most disturbing quotes where she talks about getting to meet her husband, Matt, a former major league baseball player, and getting to meet his family and how like the family kind of pushed him to pursue her, saying that uh, she had the right build for her husband's family's genetics. Boy, now, yeah. I- <laughs> I, I don't want to push any ideologies on someone that I've never met in my life, but this was the most I've heard about eugenics uh, since I had a World War II lesson. Uh, and it literally was horrifying hearing this woman talk about, oh, yeah, my mother-in-law picked me uh, out of all of my husband's many girlfriends uh, because I was the one that could produce the greatest child, basically. Well, yeah, she had legs and she knew how to use them. Hey, there you go. (laughs) Like, Rich, you never watched this show. No, I sure haven't. What did you think about meeting? Well, first of all, I think you were instantly bought in when you were like baseball, uh, because that is your trigger. Yeah, I was like, boy, this really the show has really something for everybody. Yeah, you can you can Manchurian candidate Rich into watching anything on TV if you throw a baseball bat. But what did you think of this woman who was, you know, a she did own her own business. She was successful in her own right, selling houses and uh, real estate within the Orange County area. Like, it seems a little bit different than what I was expecting at first, but I'd love to hear from you. 
Look, I mean, there is the very noticeable um, uh, bottle service girl to uh, real estate uh, real estate specialist like pipeline, and uh, and I think this was really the the first uh, start of that. I think this is. Uh, I think she was of the first generation to to go from posing for Playboy to going into real estate. Um, I mean, honestly, like I, I, you really could not have picked like a more I don't know K list celebrity than a guy who played with, for like seven different major league teams and then bounced around the Japanese leagues uh, for for baseball and then like tried to focus that on her on like try to focus that as the the main part of like this series, you know, and I was going through this and I don't think these families are really a draw by themselves. They're all a little despicable, to be honest. Like, I think a lot of the, this whole show plays on a lot of like, Oh, I want to hate these people or like, they're going to say something specific to that's going to be bragging about their own life that make, that make me want to hate them. And I don't know, I just haven't really, I really all of them, I haven't really found a lot of connection to like wanting to know more about them, but I guess that's why only 400,000 people tuned into the first episode. So one of the, I love watching a show and thinking of alternative titles for said show. Um, And one of the activities that I found or one of the most appropriate activities was Everyone's dad makes me very sad. Uh, that is the alternative Oof. title for Boy, this is show. Is that the truth? Because Boy, is that the truth? With like with Gina's husband, you can tell every one of those children. Other than we don't really meet the youngest son, but for the most part, the oldest son just wants his dad's love and wants his dad's appreciation. The middle daughter has to make deals with her mom for money. And uh, (laughs) flowers and gifts and like basically has to get paid for success rather than her like mom showing up to anything. And I don't know how the youngest son is doing. We didn't meet him in this episode, but I have to think something is going on. But all at the same time, the one thing like I know parenting isn't good TV, but the one thing I'm sort of wanting is like, can you guys be the adults and like, please like love your children. Like normal people might love them and not as like science projects of like, who can be the best athlete. I'm going to say this a hundred times during this episode, uh, Jeff, that is not good TV. It's really not (laughs) (laughs) quality. Quality parenting is meant for like stuff. uh, This is a terrible example, uh, but I can't think of a different one. That's that's like meant for like the Cosby show. That that kind of stuff is not yeah <laughs> yeah there's like there is an element of really one I, I think a lot of the narrative around these cast members is built on like rooting for them but also hating them at the same time which is very fascinating uh, like you know I think f- for for Gina specifically you want to root for Shane you want to root for Kara. And I, you know, but also like you kind of hate his dad and you kind of also secretly don't want him to succeed because he's like, I got a Mercedes at 16. And then two weeks afterwards, I like I I wanted to get rid of it because someone told me it was a girl's car. And I'm like, I I literally want to kill you. I'm like, 
Do do I want you to go in the thirty seventh round of the major league baseball draft? Sure, I do. Just so your dad doesn't beat you on live television. And that was, <laughs> I mean, that was that was a legitimate fear. That was like the the I've you know I played travel baseball. The way that he talked to his son during that game was very triggering for me. That was like that was not far a uh, far flung thing for for little league or high school baseball back then. And it probably isn't now, but or it's, it's probably the same now. But yeah, it was like really bad with, with this family and how much of the whole family we see throughout the moment that killed me is that when Shane's doing his confessionals and not wearing a shirt, it's such a, <laughs> it's such a degree of no one knows how this is working. Like even on the production side where it's yeah. like, should we, should we tell him to dress up? Like, no, no, keep rolling. Like we, we only have like 40 minutes in this like JVC camcorder. We got to keep going. There, there is like an element of, I feel like some of this is like stolen from the early trials of MTV reality TV. There's like some super sweet 16 feel to this. I don't recall when, what came out first or anything like that, but it does like, I mean, if, if Shane threw some puka shells on, I'd be like, wow, this could be on any TV network right now. That, that was, uh, it was extremely reminiscent of that. And I think that's where, I think that's why some of the interactions feel pretty forced too, where it's not like, like the kids don't seem bought in that this is going to be a real thing or that their parents are really going to be on TV. So they seem kind of normal and natural. And then everyone else feels a little bit forced. Well, well yeah. on that uh, where it's like, no one knows this is going to be a thing. Like none of these kids are media trained or camera trained. There's a point where the it's like the, they're getting ready for the middle school dance with another family. And I know we're jumping a little bit here, but a girl just pulls her dress from the mall out of the shopping bag. Like it, it's not like haute couture. It's not from a designer. It wasn't made just for her and Taylor. Yeah. This is something that she went to the mall, went to, uh, what was it? Uh, what white house black market? I'm guessing. I don't know. I'm just throwing <laughs> out 2006 mall stores here. <laughs> and then she just pulls the crumpled dress out of the bag. And is like, okay, let's go to the day. It's like these kids are they're just they're just kids and there is something uh i don't know you, you look at it with 2023 goggles you're like oh you're you're all doomed like all of you are doomed <laughs> so i'm i'm glad you brought that family up max because i think you're speaking about kimberly bryant's family and yeah. rich you talked about like boring people aren't gonna be interesting on this show and i really want to quickly talk about kimberly because Kimberly in this pilot was the most boring person in this pilot. Kimberly just moved with her family from Baltimore because her husband is a Fortune 200 finance executive. Um, her fun just fact. Just making up titles. Yeah. Also, Fortune 200 that, doesn't yeah. exist. That's just like there's Fortune 100 and there's Fortune two, uh, 500. There's like you just want to say, oh, I'm, I'm not 434th on the list. Uh, Kimberly, like. We sort of get this juxtaposition from Gina of Kimberly is a stay-at-home mom who, when she moved to California, her husband wanted her to get breast augmentation surgery. That was like 90% of the words she said were just talking about that. Mm -hmm. um, we got a very sexual scene with her Pilates instructor uh, that I don't think anyone really needed. Um, and <laughs> that went on for so long. That went on for so long. So there was also... From Kimberly, we sort of get this perspective of seeing her try to shelter her kids from everything that is um, 
Orange County. And actually, you know, after watching this episode, I was like, Kimberly's daughter, Bianca, seemed like the most normal of the people that we see on this entire thing. I was really curious. I did a little bit of research. I'm happy to say she is a normal human being who is working working for a Fortune 100 organization uh, as a e-commerce uh, digital marketer. So, you know what? Good for you. But I think that also might have something to do with her being on only one season of the show. Mm. Uh, because who knows what would have happened to that family had they been on more than one season of the show. With Kimberly Bryant, what I find what I find interesting is that she, this is probably the the most uh, like I don't know the, the archetype of what we envision is like Orange County as a whole. Like of the yeah. five people we focus on, three of them are stories of I am trying to balance business and motherhood. One of them is like the child will get to Joe. And then you have Kimberly, who is very open about my husband wants a trophy wife. We turned 40. We needed to come up with ways to spice things up. I got plastic surgery, you know, because I've done this. I want to make sure my daughter feels comfortable in her body as well. This is a thing that I did at 42, but it's like it, it, she is almost like a different story compared to the rest of the women. And I think that's necessary, right? If it was just, if we had four Gina's, if we had four Joe's, if we had four Kimberly's, we mm. would all be here like, oh, I'm not sure how this made this past a single season, but the different perspectives are very much a necessity as a whole. I'm glad that you mentioned the call term sheet, Fred, because it like Fred is JV housewife friend is we like this person or they've been brought into our radar and we don't know if they're going to work on the show so we're going to bring them in as someone's friend for like a whole season they're going to start to get into like the peripheral and we're going to gauge like what's the audience response do they have good chemistry with the other women in the show and then they could either like promote them to a main cast member or if someone leaves they can kind of like slide into their spot and if they don't, then they're just the friend who kind of pops around now and then. But like friend is like, it's, it's like the, the, it's minor league housewife. I, I love that there's understudies for housewives. That's very, very funny. <laughs> I mean, I, I absolutely get it given, you know, just thinking if Kimberly left after the first season, they had to find someone to fill that slot as quickly as possible so that they could maintain that five women sort of mantra. And, and although they, make her a main part of this the the friend role is kind of what we have with vicky and laurie um i guess like the next thing we can talk about here uh vicky being uh an insurance agent who owns her own business she talks about building this insurance empire for herself in orange county after having two kids at a young age uh and that her entire drama in this pilot is just kind of being controlling on her daughter's prom night but then you also have a coworker of hers, Lori, who is a single mom. She's a friend of Vicky. She got this job from Vicky to try and like get some cash together. They make her do the most evil thing on this pilot that we see, which is they make Lori stand in front 
of her house that she lived in before her divorce and give a confessional yeah. to us. That is that is the darkest moment on this entire episode. This was absolutely bananas to me that one you're you're putting in this this woman who's already been through so much through this traumatizing thing of saying, "Hey, you want to be on this show that might be able to help you make some money, but like here we we just have one small request for you. Can we go back to the house that you lost uh and you know that your husband kicked you out of so we can film a few exterior shots of you pointing at the house?" That's Oof. bananas. Yeah, they could have done whole. that interview anywhere. They could have done it anywhere. That was like a, a totally unnecessary thing for that for them to do. And honestly, like, are, if the biggest villains of this show are going to be the production team and the network executives, I guess that's I guess that's kind of how it's going to go. Yeah, and it's it's just one of those things where that very easily could have been. A uh, producer just says, "Hey, we're going to go and film these exterior shots, and we're just going to use Lori's." Uh, words to almost narrate these shots that we have to make it even sadder. Like the the thing that sort of with Lori as a whole, because one, I do appreciate that the show had this woman who is fighting for herself, who is fighting for her family. Like the pride that we even heard Lori, I really hope genuinely say with the idea of like, this is my townhouse. It is mine. And like, I own this is something that I feel like everyone has that sense of pride when they own something for themselves. Totally. And, but then for the producers to be like, yeah, but isn't it super fucking small? And they did those wild cuts of like the bedrooms and all that shit. Like, yeah, it's but it's only like, her and her son. Her, it's, her son, and her youngest daughter. Oh, yeah, her, it's just her, like, her son with his stupid 2006 Ryan Cabrera top 20 video countdown look at ass haircut. And, <laughs> oh my God. and then she gets like a completely different conflict point in this where it's uh, her her like 20 year old daughter wants to move back down from Los Angeles and wants to move in with her full time. It's like mm-hmm. it, it's it's the moment in this where it's like you see. You see the Vicky and her daughter storyline that's like, I don't, I, you need to be home by two after prom or like, or else I'm going to be bad. And then Lori is dealing with like actual, like serious motherhood dilemmas. It's like her stakes are so much higher. And it's, it's fascinating to me that of all the people whose stories we've touched on so far, it's, it's Vicky who's been in 14 of the 17 seasons of the show. Like Vicky is the star to come out of this pilot. And I wouldn't have guessed it watching this, that she was going to be the person who we're going to follow the most in years to come. So I, I think that's so interesting that you bring it up because like, yeah, like just to put a cap on Lori as a whole, the cliffhanger that we have with Lori is that her 20 year old daughter who she thinks has moved out and she no longer has to take care of appears to be the worst uh, because (laughs) the daughter owns a car, has a dog, but does not like the concept of paying bills. I don't know what this daughter was doing in LA prior to returning to the OC, but it, it's just one of those things where I'm just like, fuck Lori like I, I want to help you out like I feel genuinely awful but yeah. I don't think that's why people are tuning in they're tuning in for the spe- like for literally 
the concept of like, oh, how ridiculous is this? And how like trivial are their problems? Lori has a real fucking problems and it's yeah. too real for some people. And then she has to go blow off some steam and go to that really shitty 2006 club to to grind on those really mediocre 2006 Orange County dudes. Yeah, baby. You gotta, you gotta grind to some Akon out there. I, I do have on uh, in my notes that one of my favorite lines, I, I don't know, can we call them lines if they're reality TV? Sure. Uh, but yeah, sure, one of, why not? One of my favorite lines was a dude that just went up to Lori and just said, you're incredible, uh, without talking to her prior, and then doing a spin around, which was it. It is Bonkers. a sea of full-on grinding and both men and women in what I could only call going out shirts. And it, it is such a it is such a deep, deeply triggering 2006 flashback. It, it is uh, so I used to have this like brown and gold pid striped shirt from Coles that like I definitely wore to a sophomore year of high school yes you did because I, I, I know that and i know that shirt shirt you wore that in college oh god i still had it in college well, i was still <laughs> i was still going out baby uh, it, it's 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 awful i i don't want to be at that club ever. in my notes it is if ed hardy was a place it would be this club that is <laughs> also i i will say one thing too that now that we're thinking now that we're talking about it like there's no chance on earth that the club scenes are not faked because how on earth are you going to get audio in a club how are you going to be able to get dialogue audio in a club? It has to be fake. There's no way. Oh well, I'm, I'm taking a look at the Billboard year-end Hot 100 singles for 2006, and I want to get your guys' <laughs> thoughts on whether or not these are uh, hot grinding tracks or not. All right. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of skip around here a little bit. Uh, Temperature by Sean Paul. What oh, do we think? yeah. What? That is the grinding song. Just play that for three hours. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, so following that, we got Promiscuous, Nelly Furtado, and Timbaland. Wow. Let's see, what else is looking hot on here? Grills, Nelly, Paul Wall. We got mm. Buttons by the Pussycat Dolls. That That is my number one grinding song, I think, of any of these. 100%. Are we, like, that... Yeah, no, there's no competition anymore. Oh, man, uh, 30, 36 of the year end. We got Ms. New Booty by Bubba Sparks and the Yin Yang Twins. That's got to be it for me. So speaking about Lori and that club scene, trying to let loose all of that, I do want to speak about Joe. Um, because Joe is the child. Joe is the 23-year-old well, okay. <laughs> that is married to probably the biggest... See, here's where I'm having trouble. Some of these men are so terrible that I don't know who's a bigger villain. Is it the former washed-out MLB player, or is it Slade? One, Slade's name really leaning into the villain arc. As Slade a Smiley. <laughs> but- I, I do want to say, though, like... And and this is not, we are not a tea spilling podcast. We are not a throwing shade at individual people who sign up to do reality TV shows podcasts. Um, but whoa, after seeing even just the pilot episode, I can't believe any men have agreed to be on the show at all. 
uh, like since this because like you know what you're getting into you know you're getting a villain arc there's no way in hell that you're getting out of a season unscathed if you're a guy like i feel like no one roots for any of the men involved in here i don't i mean yeah. i guess that's kind of it's the ego that really puts you there be better do better <laughs> you know that slade is the villain when he says i'm eager to teach and she's eager to learn which is just one of the most bananas things uh, that has ever happened. Joe Joe was fascinated me because I do feel like she is the person in this pilot episode who has the most prompted moments to either advance a storyline and also use as kind of a linchpin to tie some things together. Joe has, you know, the phone call outside of the club at 3 a.m., uh, Joe has the moment where she approaches Kimberly out in the wild and is like, do you live in Kodo? Like I'm trying to make friends and they kind yeah. of start to tie some of these lines together, uh, when they kind of explain, you know, Kimberly's whole, the way my husband and I spice things up as we got older and, you know, we keep things interesting that leads to. Joe <laughs> trying yeah, on no one should no. have sex over 35. <laughs> <laughs> it it, it leads it leads to Joe like trying on uh what I guess was sexy 2006 fashion, like feather boas and zebra print hats, but it's her calling Slade being like, honey, I really need you to come home now. Like, I'm pretty sure that you can see that there's not a phone being dialed. <laughs> <laughs> She's talking into a TI-89 calculator. It it, it 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 feels like if Lori is to show like the powerful single woman and like Kimberly is, you know, the quintessential middle-aged housewife, Joe is the producer is just like tried shit out. Like how like how much can we get away with? Like how much can we maybe script here? Like, uh, we got this idea, but we don't know if I was gonna do it. All right, give it to Joe. Make Joe do it. <laughs> <laughs> all those meetings did feel extremely forced and they probably were because obviously like you're getting called to set that day that's like you know if you're having lunch somewhere you're not just popping in you know uh there's still e even though coda de casa is like a community it's still like twelve thousand people or something like that it's not a small community by any means like you're not just like randomly running into everybody down at the general store um but, <laughs> uh but <laughs> I think for me, yeah, that, those felt the most forced and it really did not, I don't know. It, it just like, it, it, everything still feels very much like, what is this? I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm giving people a little bit too much credit or that they're like nicer than they should be, but, or, or than they appear. Um, but yeah, this, uh, some of those, this still seems like, oh, what led what is the context to where they came up with that sentence like you know why are they talking about how much money they made for something how why are they talking specifically about how much this one thing cost like who who is really pushing them to do that so we have one more housewife that we really haven't spoken about in too much of an extent and that is the one that lasted on the show the longest with vicky um, our background on Vicky is Vicky was, is a woman who found success after divorce, uh, by becoming a very, very, um, successful realist or excuse me, insurance, uh, saleswoman. It almost seems mm -hmm. like, 
She is able to employ others like Lori, who we've talked about. Um, she has this oldest daughter. She has a, or she has a daughter. She has an older son. Um, and that's really it. Her husband does not seem to be a part of the picture at all. She remarried to a dude Man. named Don, who just seems like he randomly walked on set and they were like, Oh, we got to film Don doing stuff. So it's like, Don, wash your Mercedes. Don, drink a beer. Like, like Don's the guy running crafty. You kids need anything? <laughs> do, you, do you guys want some blue potato chips? And then he got a 13 season arc. <laughs> Jeff, I'm, I'm sorry. Jeff, I'm sorry. Keep going. We're talking so much inside baseball that what Rich is really in it now. What was 2006? That was like, are we still in Lorna Dune territory? I feel like that's uh, that's definitely like those Snackwell cookies and stuff like that. I feel like we're still in. No, no, oh not, 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 Lor- not Lorna Dune. They're near your Belinda. jesus also can we just Um, talk about mike senior for a little bit because this guy has the most chicago accent i have ever heard in my life i have i cannot believe how that this guy's voice is real i like i i i've lived in chicago for so long and i i truly have met maybe one other person i've people i i know have lived there for 50 60 plus years and none of them sound like that. And I am so sorry. Yeah, and how many of we... those people are on TV, Rich? How many of those people are on <laughs> national TV in your living room? Does Jim Belushi count? <laughs> oh. oh, man. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Um, I, oh, I don't God. know how we can even talk about Vicky now, but because Mike. Mike Sr. just, yeah, absolutely stole the show for the 30 seconds he was on screen. Well, and then he yeah. shows up to he shows up to his kid's graduation party, and everyone is, like, dressed really nice for this backyard party, and he's wearing a fucking Ron John shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, uh, honestly, everything about Mike Sr. makes me want him to succeed. I want him to, if he's, <laughs> oh if he's, uh, if he's a, if he's, you know, he's from Chicago, so I assume he's a cop of some sort, you know, uh, you know, or like everyone in his family was cops at some point because he talks like every single Chicago policeman that's ever lived. And I, I just really, what a fish out of water thing. My, just Mike Senior's favorite designer is the boardwalk. This man has <laughs> never bought a single item of clothing that's not from the Wisconsin Dells. Oh and, my you know, God. These, these palm trees are pretty nice, but I haven't had a good Italian beef in three years. <laughs> Tell Mike Senior there's a Portillo's now in Orange County and he'll be a good father. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Um, so to try to get us slightly back on track. Even to Don, right, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, not even to Don. I do want to talk about Vicky because Vicky just... Vicky gives the sense of the woman who's figured it all out for the most part. She is, she has these successful elements that we've seen in Gina. She's able to give the love to her kids that, you know, we haven't seen some of these other women give. Um, She has the ability to be in what seems to be a happy marriage, even though we see Don for maybe a minute of this entire pilot and all that. And she's also extremely wealthy and extremely successful to the point. She's flying in her family to watch her find her youngest child graduate from high school and go to college while maintaining a fairly 
I say decent relationship with her daughter, but obviously strained relationship with her eldest son. Mm-hmm. It's it's very interesting to have this woman be the central, like the central figure in this pilot as a whole. So, but I am wondering, go for it, Rich, because in the same sense of Survivor and other reality shows, I am wondering, Big Brother. I am wondering if there is a strategy to this where she does not want to have too much of her life exposed early on so she can play a longer game of people learning gradually more and more about her. Like, I almost think that, like, I mean, if you really want to be on the show for a long time, uh, you know, I think Gina's family did the maybe like expose too much of themselves in the first episode, you know, because this first season only lasted from March until May. So, like, you know, we, we really, you don't get a whole bunch. And if you're, if you're burning through screen time in those first couple of episodes, like people are going to get tired of you pretty quick. And maybe she's just playing the long game. Yeah. I, it has to be that right there. There has to be more. You have to have more interesting stuff about you happening and bringing the drama because from my perspective, it almost seems extremely manicured for the most part. And that's just not going to be good TV in the end, at the end of the day. Do you, do you think you win more points being a shit stirrer or being like the more dramatic one? Like, I feel like, you know, if you're being the more dramatic one, people want to see you act out. If you're being the shit stirrer, you're almost like taking over for Andy Cohen and just like talking about like, I mean, you're just like, I'm going to incite as much shit as I possibly can. And, you know, by, by coming up with the hard pressing questions of that force people to fight each other, um that's that's my role is that uh, is is that more or less like what you guys see the shitsters and villain arcs are entertaining until no one wants to film with you anymore and yeah. that's the thing that happens in a lot of big reality shows where a villain overplays their hand and overstays their welcome thinking about like spencer and heidi on the hills or christine quinn on selling sunset where they're the fan favorite until it just gets old and then people don't want to film scenes and they're stuck filming stuff by themselves and it's not entertaining because they don't have new connections. So they're just rehashing the same old shit. And then, you know, your yesterday's news. So I think you do have to find that balance of like, how much can you get into the drama without losing sight of like moving your arcs forward and being interesting beyond just petty. Yeah, it's almost like you are in control of jumping your own shark. Uh, If we're bringing this back to, you know, normal TV, right? Like, the moment a show jumps the shark is sort of the moment that people give up on said show. The moment that you are too much, you are too ridiculous of a villain for reality TV, or, you know, you're just doing too much chaotic shit where people are tired of having you on the show is probably the moment that it's you go from being a main housewife into being a friend or maybe just even being a guest who appears here and there. Um, But with all that being said, that is our pilot. Um, I would love to hear from you gentlemen. What are some things that you loved about this pilot that maybe we did not discuss uh, during our synopsis of the show. Alrighty. I, I've been wanting to talk about this all day. 
because we only had one camera to film so much of this with, every time we're in Joe's kitchen, they put the camera on the exact same angle to capture as much of her kitchen as possible. <laughs> but, the, but the camera is pointed directly at this big ceramic Italian chef statue. <laughs> <laughs> that was so, truly beautiful. And so every time Joe is trying to have a conversation in her kitchen, there's multiple times where we show her either trying to figure out how to pass her day or on the phone with a friend. Like I'm staring at Mama Mia kitchen. the whole time. There's there's just the most stereotypical giant curly mustached Italian chef statue right in there. <laughs> Someone could have moved it. Someone could have moved the statue <laughs> anywhere else in the kitchen. Oh, and oh. no one did. Yeah, you you don't think that's a prop. That's that's a that's a prop for the show. Rich, what about you? Some real classic iMovie uh, editing happening in this. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, I like that they were able to get a, de- I don't know, like a decent amount of story off with almost no understanding of what's going to happen. Like you, you are, you immediately sense a lot of tension. Like, yeah, you're meeting people, you're hearing their backstories and stuff like that. Um, but they're able to like kind of captivate you a little bit with like where you think these relationships are going to go. You, they like, I think the shows like this have a weird ability to make you start pre- like trying to predict things, um, which I think gets people coming back. I think that's the most captivating thing. It's like, oh, these two aren't going to get along. Oh, these two might. Uh, oh, that that kid's going to be disappointing, and or you know this that kid will probably surprise us all. And uh, I, I think they did a good job of that for having no context, no understanding of who these people are from from the first second what about you jeff yeah um i i really i hate that i'm saying this but (laughs) i need villains i need villains this show has so many different people to choose from Mm. and like we could say every man that basically comes across the screen is it gina's son who doesn't want to go is it gina who has to go to a charity gala instead of going to her son's graduation that her son doesn't want to go to because her son obviously has some form of learning disorder, most likely. Uh, is it, in this instance, uh, Ashley, the daughter that doesn't like the concept of Bill's question mark? Is it Slade, who owns a Hummer, his name is Slade, and he sucks? Or, you know, <laughs> is it the human There's body... <laughs> There's a lot to his personality. There's clearly is, is, is it the human embodiment of deep dish pizza that is Mike Senior. I just want I, more I, Mike Senior. I want a Mike Senior spinoff. Uh, we're gonna talk. It's called Chicago in a PD. Bit. We're gonna talk about spinoffs, <laughs> Rich. Um, but yeah, I, I there's a there's just so many villains. So it is there's captivating moments for me that are within this show. We talked about things we love. What about, um, in this instance, wait a minute moments, things that caused you pause that you said, holy shit, when you oh. saw that across your TV screen? Okay, look, I when I started watching this, in the first minute, I decided not to take notes my usual way, and I just wrote, oops, all wait a minute moments. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> There's all, because that's the only, I mean, you, you, they immediately start wanting you to hate them with all the talks about like the, uh, the consumerism and like how much things cost talking about money all the time. Uh, but for me, the biggest wait a minute moment was the graphic that comes on over Mike 
who uh, it says in 1973 he was voted to the MLB All Star Game. In yes. 1977, he lost four he lost 14 games in a row on the, <laughs> on the mound. And I'm like, my God, what he got absolutely torched in that edit. Max, what about you? <laughs> it it's got to be the entire Kimberly intro package for me from the explanation of her breast augmentation and what her original cup size was to what she was brought up to, to the handicap zooming square it on her sports bra to show you. And to then the lengthy sequence. In TV we show, we don't tell. In, in which I, I I thought she was, her and the Belize instructor were going to bone. Like I, I, I was like convinced that this was going to be like in a fair plot line or something. It was just so it was so, and, and, and that's their story to tell. It was just so hyper-sexualized in a way that nothing else after that even was. Like, even for Kimberly, there was just this, like, 90 seconds of hyper-sexualization. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah, and I, I will say for uh, my wait-a-minute moment, it was when Lori insinuated that a home that's under 2,000 square feet is not livable. Uh, that is absolutely <laughs> insane. Like if you told any millennial right now, uh, that yeah. th they could own a home that was under 2000 square feet, <sighs> they would be like, give it to me. There's 900 square feet homes going for over a million in fucking Highland yeah, Park I, out here in LA. <laughs> I, I was going to say, we live literally live in a time where tiny homes are selling for over $150,000. So yeah. to tell me that like. A, a small home is 2,000 square feet. You can fuck right off, Lori. Well, what, once you put all those Italian pizza chef statues in there, <laughs> oh you really God. only have like 800 square feet to play with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, my favorite uh, cameo. Um, so we do have an in-flight question that I got we in do. last minute. Yes. Uh, this was DM'd to me personally. Uh Please just DM TV Pilots License on Instagram. Don't DM me personally. It was really <laughs> weird finding that. Um, but um, the question was, there are a ton of different installments of the Reels, Real Housewives. What would be the worst place for there to be a Real Housewives franchise to be based out of? Oh, uh Real Housewives International Falls, Minnesota. That's where uh, that's where they track. <laughs> that's where they track the coldest temperature on the Weather Channel for the, for the continuous United, contiguous United States. I just oh want I just want a bunch of people who can't leave their homes. <laughs> Max, what about you? Well, I'm trying to think like what what do all these things have in have in common? They're they're all in either major cities or in. Like a like a wealthy enclave of an area, um, you know. And I'm just I'm trying to think what is a city that has an industry, and to me, that's got to be Gilroy, California, home of garlic. I, I want to see <laughs> I want to see six people running garlic empires. Uh, you know, all all talking about how they're trying to spice things up in their marriages. Wow that that is uh. That's pretty great. I can um, see it now. So I thought <laughs> in 
in probably the most traditional mindset that I've ever thought of, of what requires there to be a good season of real housewives. Well, usually there has to be interesting women or more women than there are men. So what if we picked the town that had the smallest percentage of women to men as far as a ratio? So I then went ahead and did a little bit of research for this. And the town in the U.S. that has the smallest percentage of women to men is Jackson, Mississippi. So I would like the real housewives of Jackson, Mississippi. Wait, is is Jackson, Mississippi the dude's rock capital of the U.S.? Is that what we're talking about? Where, where there is 52.1% of the population is made up of men to 48% of the population Man, being made up of A lot of, of Bon women. Jovi album sales down in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that in-flight question. We'll talk a little bit more about how to submit those at the end of the episode. Let's talk about the history of this show. Um, for the show, there have been 17 seasons and 297 episodes. Uh, that is spanning across a wide variety of different women who have been on this show. Vicky lasted the most of this original pilot, uh, going all the way to 14 seasons. Kimberly was on it the least, lasting only That's a one. big genesis, too. That has to be... Yeah. I mean, so that the show has to have evolved so much over 14 years. I can't imagine. So, a couple of other things that just sort of stood out to me when looking at the history of this show. Um... Rich, you talked a little bit about how few people watched the pilot episode of this show. Sure did. Uh, uh, but the most watched season, based off of averages, was season four. Uh, there were 2.17 million people who tuned in on average per week. Uh, considering that this is cable television, that is pretty decent numbers mm-hmm. uh, as a whole. Now, I do want to talk about exclusively this show there was one spinoff uh called date my ex joe (laughs) and slade so i think that gives a little bit of context clue slash spoilers um but additionally i really thought they were gonna make it you guys yeah they they seemed really like marriage material as a as a two um i want to talk about how many different versions of the show exist um I'm just in the U.S., right just in the U.S., there are eleven different versions of this show that were produced just in the U.S. That includes Real Housewives of Dubai, uh, which is still made based out of the U.S. I oh. don't know; I'm not the producer. But there are thirty-three addition, uh, or excuse me, there are twenty-two additional spinoffs that oh have God. been produced internationally around the world so andy cohen um andy cohen you get the long-awaited daddy of the week of daddy of the real housewives universe uh because holy shit that is a lot of shows to be a producer chef there are Um, six different versions of this show in south africa alone (laughs) whoa um to no one's surprise there are no major awards that were given to this show in all of the extensive research of this show that I have done, but I am sure that Gina has won some form 
of Realtor of the Year Award uh, in all of her efforts. Um, but we know, hey, we know her husband w- got to go to one All-Star game. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, but that is really our history of this show or the legacy of this show as it potentially continues. Um, Rich, what is your game of the week? Well, I'm so glad you brought up all 22 Housewives cities because I want to I want to uh, give you guys some hints and see where you can pick out the next upcoming Real Housewives city. Uh, I guess I'll just do this for both of you to to uh, to chime in on. Uh, all right, if you want to see Chuck Norris's mom throw wine at Rue McClanahan and Ron Howard's mom while Roy Orbison's dad tries to break up a fight. You'd watch the Real Housewives of St. Louis, Wichita Falls, Hot Springs, or Pensacola. Oh. <laughs> I didn't like that noise. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Hot, hot Springs, Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Arkansas as well. That just that seems to track with Roy Orbison. <laughs> that is uh, Wichita Falls, Texas. All right, if uh. you if you want to see. A stage mom battle between two women who named their famous daughter Demi, both Lovato and more. You want the Real Housewives of New Mexico, Las Vegas, Oklahoma, or Oregon? Oh my All right, god, I'm these are so... Say, uh, we're going to go Oregon. I'll just, for, for different sake, I'll say Las Vegas. Let's go for it. It is the Real Housewives of New Mexico. We have two of the oh. three, two of the three most famous Demi's of the world. Demi, did you even come on the pod? Uh, if you, uh, and uh, my final question is: If you want some real historic cattiness, look no further than the place where Andy Warhol, Jeff Goldblum, and Jonas Salk's mom set up shop on the Real Housewives of Poughkeepsie, Fairfax, Pittsburgh, or Atlantic City. That's Pittsburgh, baby. Let's Pittsburgh. go. Wow, that was super confident. And yes, it was Pittsburgh. Did you did you yeah. know that's where Jonas Salk was from? Or I, I knew that's where the Andy Warhol Museum is. Oh, I was gonna say it was the museum. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, yeah. well done. Yeah. All right, one out of three ain't bad. This this yeah, is probably my sure. hardest. I think this is my hardest quiz yet. That that I I love that quiz. Absolutely. <laughs> when this game Rich. started, I thought that you were gonna have us guess where upcoming editions. Yeah, of this me show too. I'm not gonna are. lie. <laughs> They are. I was going to say, who are your resources? Uh, well, Rich, thank you so much for that game of the week. Well, gentlemen, I have two more questions for each of you gentlemen. And that is, based off of this pilot and this pilot alone, would you continue watching this version of Real Housewives or maybe even just continuing the first season? And then my second question is, With all of the Real Housewives content, the Real Housewives universe that exists, do you think that we really need 33 different versions of this show? Uh, Or should there maybe not be an 18th season of the original version of this show? Max, I'll start (laughs) with you. So for for me... While I loved this blast from the past, I loved taking a trip down memory lane of 2006. I don't think this is a thing that I would continue watching, even just pilot alone. I don't think that 
it was something that gripped me in a way that I want to keep going back and binging it, watching it. I know that people do. And if that is your thing, I don't mean to yuck your yum. This show has fans for a reason. It's just not something that I think I could get interested in. Um, do I think that this franchise can, should keep going? Yeah, I mean, if there's if there's stories to tell and people are tuning in, why the hell not? Same goes for any other iteration of this franchise. If you can find people who have compelling stories, interesting angles, something to say that maybe we haven't seen in this franchise before, then yeah, by all means, give it a season, give it a shot. If you're rehashing the same old song and dance, then maybe it's time to hang that up. But it clearly they're finding new powerhouse franchises in recent years. Things like, you know, Potomac and Salt Lake City that have huge fan bases that are fairly new. So yeah, keep keep digging, keep figuring it out. And keep letting Rich, Andy Cohen drink on New Year's Eve. <laughs> Rich, what about you? He promised he wouldn't do that anymore, which is unfortunate. That was the uh, that was the only reason I got excited for New Year's Eve. Andy Cohen, um, come on the pod. Uh, no, the uh, I am going to say no to both, and I'm probably I'm trying. <laughs> I am going to be. I'm going to be less generous than Max was, unfortunately, too. That yeah, I think there there's something about there's something about the human instinct that this is designed to like evoke. I think that this uh, that these shows are kind of like just really diving into people's worst instincts and the audience. Like, I, I'm not saying that people should have to re-examine why they watch a certain thing, but they also should examine it a little bit. I think that there is there. You should sit and watch why this intrigues you so much. I feel like a lot of people tuned into secession because they like to see rich people behaving badly too. And they also like to see them get their comeuppance and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I think we're, we're still building on kind of like a, a, a basic instinct of like class traitorism and hating people, uh, hating people like for, who they are, their views, or like the system that they're in, or like encouraging them to fight one another. You start to see all of the branches of Housewives um, expand in 2008 when uh, when that uh, when the strike was really forming, and I really think that we should examine why that like this became a such like uh, a prominent form of television. Like it just like watching it does not make me feel good. It does not like it's the same reason I haven't liked Twitter in about like, I don't know, eight years, because it's just like it's just it, it evokes like a certain anger out of you. It evokes like a certain like, you know, oh, I'm better than that or oh, that person's really mean or that person's like thinks they're big leaguing me specifically, that kind of feeling. And it, it just rewards that kind of behavior. And for that reason, sharks, I'm out. So it's a maybe. It's a maybe. It's a it's a soft say, maybe. Rich, Rich, thank you so much for the preview of your TED talk in a, yeah. a week or two. Um, so I'll, I'll round us out. Based off the pilot, no. Um, I there's other reality TV that fills me with joy that somehow has a little bit of a sense of happiness and hope uh, without tearing down others that. 
I really enjoy watching and we're going to be talking about in future episodes of this podcast because I think folks need more of that in their lives um, to be able to get that joy. With that being said, do I think that there's a place for this show? Yeah, there, there is, right? Like, we all have our garbage. We all like eating our junk food, right? And this is some people's junk food. And, you know, like some people like totally. flaming Hot Cheetos. Some people like, you know, Pop-Tarts. Some people like The Real Housewives. And as long as people like The Real Housewives and Andy Cohen can look at a map and say, like, what about this place? Cool. We're going to have more seasons. Rich gave three great ideas of (laughs) seasons of Real Housewives. And I don't think we're going to see the end of that, at least in the near future. Um, With that all being said, and as our flight comes to an end, where can we find you two gentlemen? (laughs) You you can find me uh, clearly watching episode two of this season of of Real Housewives of Orange County. Uh, (laughs) And you can also find me on Instagram at Damn That's Rich. Uh, You can find me washing a cool car, drinking a cold beer, and on all things social media at Maxwell Singh. (laughs) And you can find me very patiently waiting by my computer, still trying to see if I'll get drafted in the 2005 MLB draft. Uh, You can also (laughs) find me on social media at RunJeffRun on Instagram, Twitter, and threads. You can find the TV Pilots License on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, uh, anywhere you stream podcasts at TV Pilots License. If you have a question about the show or for our next episode, you can email us at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for our Instagram for a sneak preview of some of our upcoming episodes. But with the plane landed and the seatbelt sign off, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then... Support writers, support actors. Let's get less reality TV and more great art. <laughs>